Hello everybody, Mitch Michaels here and it's time for another episode of the Money Mitch Effect sports podcast that you know and love. We got a lot to talk about. Hockey, basketball, playoffs are ramping up. I'm going to talk to Joe Crisali about the Final Four in the NHL. We finally got some cross-division rivalries in the semifinals. Vegas and Montreal. Vegas up one nothing on that series. And then an interesting Tampa Bay Islanders series that is now tied 1-1. to We break all that down as well as Gerard Gallant being the new Rangers coach and uh, some other topics as well. And then I talked to my boy from college, Chris Scruggs, about the NBA playoffs where we're almost at the semifinal round. Kevin Durant just had a masterpiece of a game. We break down the other series. Suns moving on. Clippers back in the series against the Jazz. Sixers, Hawks, and a tight one. A lot of basketball to talk with Chris Scruggs. But first up is Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, time to talk hockey. We're down to four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Not the four that we picked, though. Not even close. No, not, it's not even close. It's Joe Crisali. <laughs> we it's Joe Crisali. Didn't even like come up breath close to that. No, I now let, let's rehash this for a second. Did we did did we both pick Colorado? I feel like I might have picked Vegas, but I don't remember. To win? To uh, you had. You Tampa, had we got, I got Tampa. I, no, well, we're going to talk about the playoff picks from the beginning. I definitely <laughs> had Tampa coming out of that division. None of us had the yeah. Islanders, I don't believe. Not even – no, nah, they were way off our radar. Yeah. So I think I, I – we'd have to check the tape. I, I know I nobody had Montreal. So did I have Vegas or Colorado? Probably Colorado based on uh, my track record there. But uh, it's an interesting Final Four. Uh, with the game going tonight, the Islanders and Tampa are tied one all in Montreal playing Vegas in their second game. So I guess we can start with the biggest surprise of teams to make the Final Four, the Montreal Canadiens just coming out of the north, proving that absolutely Toronto is just cursed for life. I mean, and that's what makes me more upset about my Vancouver pick because they could have come out of it if they would have made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, if their whole team didn't get COVID this year, they probably would have had a chance. But yeah. Montreal definitely shocked it shocked me like like I've never been shocked before I mean they weren't even on my radar whatsoever and another thing going around here like Cole Caulfield is amazing but what what really flipped it what really flipped it around for Montreal was putting him in remember those first couple games in the Mm -hmm. playoffs when they benched him because they weren't sure how he was going to perform and then they put him in I think he's on that line with Suzuki right and they're just dominating Uh yeah it's it's Cole Caulfield I mean come on you got to watch him play, but he's uh, he's good. Gary Price has been the best goalie of his generation. Absolutely, know? he's stepped up in this playoffs for sure. I was thinking about this too. I mean, the one common theme across the board is you have to have good goaltending to make it this far. You know, I mean, Varlamov is the is the weak link, but he's still done pretty well. And, and the Islanders have Sorokin who stepped in, but then the other three are all just great goaltenders. I mean, Flurry is throwing it back. Vasilevsky's great. The, the one comment, I mean, because these are pretty different teams, how they're constructed and how they play, but you got to have the goaltending this time of year. Absolutely. And I think that Tampa Bay's got the best one left in the mm, mm. We can We can debate that for a split second, but um, definitely up there. He's played well. He had to make some big saves tonight especially. That Tampa Islanders series tied at one. Game two, I mean, game one and game two were night and day, and – if you heard John Cooper, the Lightning coach after the Tampa lost game one, he basically said, 
we know what we can do. We know what adjustments can be made. We've seen some things on film. Apparently, Joe, that only meant just start getting mean and start turning it and start fighting back and kicking the crap out of the Islanders. Because tonight was a very (laughs) nasty game where Tampa Bay looked like they had more than a pulse tonight. Yeah, they did. They were, like you said, they went to that tape and they back in the second game and just, I wouldn't say they dominated, but they definitely played way better than they did in that first game. The tone was set early with how they were responding to scrums and how they were just willing to fight literally and figuratively. I mean, I think that changed. Maroon was a maniac out there. we, We talked about this Islanders team earlier and it was just about how they're going to beat you up they don't have they're not like big on scoring goals they don't have top top players in the league they just beat you down and they beat the lightning down in that first game and like you said lightning came back game two made that adjustment i'm just curious how the islanders respond because that's their that's their identity right there is pretty much like bully ball you know yeah I, i do think though that the way and again props to lou amarillo He's in his 70s now. He's built basically cup contenders for the last five decades, wherever he's gone. And I think the way he has built this team, they have depth and they're mean, but they have some some scores. They're not they're not the household names and they're not on the level of the Tampa Bay scores. But Barzell, Brock Nelson, when he's on, of course, I mean those guys can score goals. You know they they have constructed a team that with Eberle as well that can put the puck in the net. Now, yeah, they're not going to win a 5-4 shootout game. That's not what they're about. But if they can get good defense, get good goaltending, they could find a way to score. They've converted on the power play nicely throughout these whole playoffs. And, you know, the bounce back was Tampa Bay was just lazy in game one in a lot of times. They weren't terrible the whole, whole, you know, game. But a couple stretches, a couple lazy performances – that was the one of the worst hockey plays I'd ever seen by Steven Stamkos, just turning the puck <laughs> over and taking a change. I mean, he deserved to be benched for a little bit for that. Yeah. But like you said, earlier in the year, Lightning was seen coming out, probably coming out of the conference too there. Much so talent. I don't I mean, want to hear any, any more confidence about the Islanders from you because I'm sick of them already. <laughs> too much talent in Tampa Bay for them to be pushed around. Now, they can absolutely lose this series. But with how they play, I mean, tonight was a classic performance because you had Vasilevsky in goal, who played very well. Victor Hedman running the reins on the point with your with your former boy, Ryan McDonough, who looked a lot better. And you had offensively so much depth up front. Kucherov was just wheeling and dealing out there. It's it's kind of remarkable how it's kind of remarkable how good of a passer that guy is for a former MVP known for scoring a lot of goals. He's made some of the nicest passes this playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like we said before if the Lightning get anything out of Kucherov in this playoffs, because you, you didn't know what kind of player you were getting coming back. Uh, and he's had a great playoffs. So it seems like they're able to count on him to I'd, put some points on the board. I think the Islanders definitely can, can continue to compete. They got a gift on that. I thought it was the wrong call on the scrum that started the all hell breaks loose with Tampa up one nothing where – yeah. Point got hit into the net, and you know Varlamov missed the rest of the first. It looked like he got pulled for a concussion um, spotter, you know, to get evaluated. Good would to see you? Him back. Would yeah? Would you have given point <laughs> the penalty there? No, I and feel I, like he got launched. And I I say this as someone that was on the other side of that back when I played. Like, it, there's really nothing point can do at that speed. Replay does not do it justice. He was flying into the zone, got hit. I mean. Is part does part of me think it's possible that point just was like, well, this is happening, not much I can do. Yeah, I mean that's always <laughs> possible, but he was going to kid him. Like that was, there's no way he could avoid him, you know, at that at that speed. But hey, 
the Lightning got a break back when they didn't get called for too many men on their second goal, which clearly should have happened. Yeah, for real. Their second goal kind of just, um, it just seemed like, it seemed like Vasilevsky was kind of just like, okay, he just let that rebound go right around him. But I just, you know, it wasn't as exciting because <laughs> yeah. it was 4-1 at that point. I got a question for yeah. you too, and it's how in 2014, this is one of my biggest hockey mysteries, it was Braden Point. 79th overall 79th Braden Point was in that draft now you can say Dreisaitl's better than him at the third overall pick but you're not going to convince me at least directly that anybody else was better than Braden Point in that draft and he was 79th overall all our teams passed on him multiple times (laughs) uh, both yeah let's just not talk about that because we could both use a guy that could score five goals in five straight games (laughs) Five straight games with a goal in the playoffs. If you take that uh, Carolina game out, he's got seven goals in a row. The island's going to be bumping, though. I mean, this series is a long way from over. The Coliseum's going to be rocking. It's a tough place to play. The Lightning are, I would say this, Joe, they're on the right track, but they have to, they got to walk a very dangerous line. You know, like you have to play physical, but you can't just start taking dumb penalties. As you go too far yeah. overboard, then you're in the box and you know the other team can score. Especially on the road. Islanders get a power play, get a goal, place is buzzing, and that's when we see teams self-destruct. So it's going to be tough to play whistle-to-whistle, especially with how the scrums have been getting good the last couple of games. Yeah, for sure. Braden Point, I wanted to also point out that in for some reason, just as much as he fell in the real-life draft, every single year I do fantasy hockey, for some reason, he falls in the draft to the mid to later round. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe because he doesn't get enough hits, but the dude can score goals. So next year, I'm not going to pass on him again. <laughs> You're not making that mistake again? No. I think I tried to sit on him too long this year, but he didn't make his way back around. Well, at least I can tell you that the Rangers didn't have a first-round pick that draft. So, I mean, that's good. Coming off, well, the, that's coming off the cup final, they didn't have their first round pick. It was traded. Uh, they took a goalie in the second round, though, and it's you know Brandon Halverson. So you know, look, I mean, everybody has these stories. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna get to the Western Conference here in uh, in just a second. But I do want to ask you here, Joe Crisali on the Money Money Mitch effect. What you think about Gerard Gallant as the new Rangers coach? Just announced today. Um, I told you I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had enough. I haven't had enough time to think about it. I mean, bringing him back like that, is it? It just kind of feels desperate to me. My my initial reaction is it kind of feels desperate. But I liked, I liked him, so maybe he can uh, finish up what he started. <laughs> maybe not what he started, but you know what I mean. Here's my okay. Here's my thought on on go on as coach in general. I think he is a great coach. Um, I think he's he's good. He's a player's coach, first of all. I should start there. He's had success the last two stops. It hasn't ended well, and there's been various reasons for it as to why that is. But he's a very good coaching candidate, and he's going to help that room and, and be a, a jolt that they that they need. Now, he's hired by Chris Drury. So Drury's running the show here, obviously saw something in him. And I think that as you look at what the identity of this team is, I look at I look at Gallant as just a very solid, well-rounded, good coach, and I would say great even like I like I mentioned. Like I think he's he knows the game. He's going to get the players to work hard for him. But 
my bigger issue with the team is just kind of what the direction is, you know, ownership, Chris Dury, because they're going to be the ones that decide what the roster looks like and the necessary yeah, trades yeah. that they have to make and, you know, signings and whatnot. So as a coach, he's fine. And given the right situation, he can be great. I just don't know if that's going to happen big picture in New York. We'll see. I, I said, I said, finish what he started. For some reason, I was thinking of Alan Vigneault and I was like, wait, that's not, that's not the same guy. But Gallant, like you said, yeah, he's been around the league a little bit. And based off what I've been reading, it seems like a lot of people in New York think that he's going to be the guy to solve their problems. But the thing is, like, I didn't think that they had that many problems to begin with. They're a young team. They have, you know, a couple stars on the team, Panarin, to mix in there with all those young guys like we talked about all year. Adam Fox, amazing defender, you know, and they got they got other young guys like Lindgren. And it's just hard because you got to put faith in Drury and you got to put faith in um, the team to not totally screw up the rebuild that they had going there before. But you bring a guy in like Gallant and that kind of makes you think that they're going to be a little bit more fierce, um, a little bit more, you know, kind of Islanders type play, I guess I would say. But I don't know. I don't know how that affects the culture in the locker room. I don't know how that affects, yeah. um, you know, just people coming on and off the ice and how he interacts with the players and stuff. But all I know is it's another Blue Jacket guy <laughs> making his way to New York. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, great. Perfect. Keep keep it going. We we hired Larson, you know, who I don't I think <laughs> I can tell I could tell the enthusiasm and not just razzing me when you sent me that text message, which no head coaching experience, Torts right hand man, so let's go. Why not? That, that, I mean, that, that's gonna be the slogan next year for the Blue Jackets, by the way. What what's there to lose? I mean Gallant, you know, he's he's got a decent track record. Like you said, he took the Golden Knights as an expansion team to the cup yeah, final. So and that's I don't know. good. He's he's used to, you know, new environments, maybe chaotic environments where you're not sure what to expect. He can thrive in the chaos, so that could be good. You just Hopefully like the thing that's... with the Rangers is just butt have the front office and the ownership butt out. <laughs> that's my biggest problem with it. <laughs> we'll see if it yeah, happens. So though. I guess the more the more and more we talk about this, I am loving it more and more as we go. Yeah, he's look. You could have done a lot so, worse. I know it doesn't sound like a ring. We could have done but... worse. I've, I've seen them do worse. Yeah. So. Okay, um, looking at the Western Conference, or I guess I called it the West, but it's you know essentially the Canadian team versus the Pacific team. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights playing the Montreal Canadiens. Vegas, I should say, down 0-2 to Colorado. Could have been down 0-3 as they were trailing late in the third, and then they never looked back. Uh, which you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know dip big into conspiracy theories at all, Joe. But you going to Denver kind of did bring bad luck to the city. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could blame me, right? That was, <laughs> I went. I can't believe I went and I saw the Nuggets get swept by the Suns. I mean, I can believe it after we all watched the same series. Yeah. But I was really hoping that the Avs would go to go Game Seven because that Saturday it would have been Nuggets Friday. Avs. I would probably wouldn't have went to the Avs game. Probably, I mean, going to watch it in the bar there would have been would have been cool. But it would have been nice to do Nuggets Avs Nuggets with a few wins mixed in there, but <laughs> nope. literally the only the only win I got all weekend from anything. I mean, the Yankees got swept by the Phillies, and the Nuggets <laughs> get swept. 
the only thing that I won. I won one game of Uno. Like what? <laughs> that oh, was <laughs> went to Denver that's as good as a playoff win. That's I, I think guess that's so. as good as a playoff win. But yeah. um, no, I mean Colorado is is getting into that area. Like I don't want to say curse, but it, it, they're getting into that area where it's like, is it going to happen? And it's a very dangerous thing. It's kind of that Vancouver Canucks, like, you know, Capitals were kind of there for a while and they won their cup, but you know what I mean? And it transcends just hockey. It happens in sports. Like, the Avalanche have a lot of talent. They've got a lot of good young talent, but it's got to start to happen. They're, they don't make it out of the second round again, and, you know, this is kind of a big letdown. This one is definitely a big letdown because, I mean, I picked them to win the whole thing. So they look yeah. like they had a good chance to do it. Like you said, they're up 2-0. You're like, oh, my God. Here we go. The, the abs can do it. And then they just choke it away. I mean, Knights, kudos to them. They're a great team. Honestly, this is, I feel like it's a wrap at this point. I don't think so you're any saying of the teams... Knights Cup. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's aggressive. Now, I, I want to just point out a couple of things here. I, I think Vegas absolutely deserves to be considered the favorite. I think how they've been able to play, how they've been able to adjust their game on the fly as well. I think they abused. Uh, Colorado, their their defenseman. I mean, outside of Kale McCarr, the back end of the, of the Avalanche had a brutal last couple of games in that series. And I'll even give you this. If Flurry keeps playing the way he does, yeah, I agree. They're winning the Stanley Cup. But it's fair to wonder if a guy at his age might have a little bit of a dip. Now, they could overcome it with their depth, but Flurry, and that's why you said Vasilevsky, you think is the best goalie in the playoffs? It might be Flurry, and if it is, Vegas is winning their first Stanley Cup. Yeah, just prove my point. <laughs> I'm just but, saying uh, that it's not possible. Like it is possible that he could have some clunkers in there. We've seen this from Flurry before, and he's not a spring chicken. You know, this is a lot. Yeah, they're asking a lot of him true. right now, especially because when they made their, you know, the last couple of years, he hasn't been the everyday. Like with Leonard in there, it was like, okay, we have another guy we can rotate a little bit. This is the Flurry show, and he has got an A plus right yeah. now. I'm just saying. Still got seven more wins to go. I assume they're going to get by Montreal. But if they play the Islanders or, I mean, Tampa, of course, they play Tampa in the final. That's going to be a tall task for any goalie. Oh, my God. That series. Can we please just get that series? We're not doing this again. We're not doing this again. I feel like we've been waiting. The last time we've been waiting all playoffs. We're not doing this again because we said Toronto and Edmonton. We said uh, a couple other ones. And we're not. Just please, please give me Tampa Bay. And Vegas, please. It would be fun. It would be. It would be the fastest series, dude. If the Islanders are in the in the <laughs> final, I, you can guarantee you, I will not watch one second that's of not it. That's true because <laughs> you would love to see them lose. Like if they lost in a game oh, seven true. overtime, you'd be loving. I it. would like to watch. I would like to watch Vegas or Montreal just mop the ice up with them. I think. Uh, I don't think there's much of a debate right now that the best playoff atmosphere is in Vegas. Of all the like. <laughs> If you if these games, have it's just not even been close. Insane. Like I'm, I'm, I'm considering every team in the NHL. Vegas has it down to a T. Like these games are parties; they're not just sporting events. Well, I mean, think about it. Everybody's been locked up forever, <laughs> so it's it's a bit rowdy. I mean, those Nuggets games that I went to, those were pretty rowdy. Yo, I saw that. So <laughs> that could be. Something. I mean, my voice. I still, I'm still recovering. I was, I was screaming for four days straight. The singing. Second- <laughs> singing Sing. simple plan i'm just a kid no <laughs> my life is a nightmare <laughs> yeah i thought it was blink 182 I, that's what i thought it was 
But anyway, I think there was some blink mixed in there. Yeah, there probably but was. It was it was a it was a happy and sad weekend. The second period intermission was just the lights out with glow sticks <laughs> the other day in Vegas. It's amazing. It is it's amazing. amazing. And and shout out to the DJ because I I heard some Master P. I heard some Ice Cube. I heard some some great house music. They're going all over the place, and I love the slot machine sounds when Vegas scores. I love the little Elvis. Viva Las Vegas goal song. They've got it down. You know, they've got it down to a T. And I and I am I think Montreal poses it's Vegas. I think Montreal it's poses Vegas. some problems, but none that Vegas can't solve. I think they can they can they have skill. They have you know a lot of skill in Caulfield and Suzuki. I think Perry is obviously he's a rat. Gallagher's kinda like that too. They're good at what they do, right. but they want to get under your skin. But I think Vegas can figure it out. And I do think this series will go about six games. I think this. I think both series are going to go six, and I like Tampa and Vegas. I like Tampa and Vegas as well. I mean, they're favorites right now. Vegas, you can get Vegas at minus one twenty, and Tampa Bay at plus two ninety to win. The Stanley so, Cup. If you're really wait, the Stanley Cup? Cup. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. If you're really feeling frisky and you want Montreal, it's plus sixteen hundred. So they pretty much have no shot. So Vegas That's worth. Throwing Guaranteed. something on there. I mean, it, it, they only have to win eight. Games. I mean, they're halfway there, so I know they're down one here. But um, no, I, I, I think Vegas and Montreal. That series is going to be. I mean, both these series are very nasty, very aggressive. I love watching Mark Stone play. By the way, he is basically like a predator in the offensive in, in the offensive zone when he doesn't have the puck. There is nobody better in the league, Joe, at taking the puck away from players as a forward than Mark Stone. It's just an unbelievable skill. That, so that trade went right over my head when the Knights acquired him from Ottawa. I really never thought that Mark Stone was this incredible hockey player. I thought he was a great goal scorer and a good player on a team, but maybe not like a key component. But seeing him in Vegas, like they're utilizing him exactly to maximize his talent. And he has really showed himself on that, on this Knights team. He's become pretty much a leader for them. He's great. Love watching him play. Also love watching Alex Tuck play. Um, I know Minnesota had a great year, and I give you props for that, Joe, for being right, and I was wrong with how good they did. But this guy was the 18th overall pick for Minnesota in that 2014 draft, the Braden Point draft, as I'm going to call it. 6'4", 220, 220, fastest player on the ice. He should still be a Minnesota Wild. That was ridiculous that they traded him, or they let him go, I should say, in the expansion draft. Like, yeah. How do you not protect I mean, that guy? Your mistakes are always made. Brady Point wasn't yeah. drafted until '79. <laughs> there we go. So you're going Vegas and so you're Vegas so, and Tampa for you, huh? Okay. Vegas, Tampa, Vegas is taking it for sure. Well, I think we're getting to a point now. I just want to throw this out there before we wrap this up. Obviously, this was a fun one though. But you're seeing the coaching dominoes draw drop. There's still. A big name coach out there that does not have a deal and may not have a deal. So I'm going to throw something out there. I think there is a 50, I'd say 50 50 right now, a 50 50 chance that the first official coach in franchise history for the Seattle Kraken is going to be Rod the Bod Brendan Moore. Oh, man. Wow. Brandon Moore does not have a deal, I, which I think is kind of crazy. Carolina, they have to—they're dealing with the Dougie Hamilton contract, but he's been a great coach, and 
Ron, Ron Francis is calling the shots. Francis and Brendan Moore love each other from the Carolina Cup in 26, 2006. It makes too much sense. It's, Bring it's him to true. Seattle. Well, watch what he'll do for the culture. It'd be huge. Get him to the Kraken. That would be great for your local team. I seriously think that that would be a good move. <laughs> I think it's But good. how crazy I yeah. feel like I feel like the domino, the big domino has fallen for our uh for the Kraken here because I had a feeling that they were looking at Gallant and they were thinking about bringing him on because of what he did in Vegas. I mean, he was the obvious why don't you grab this guy? He went to the cup in his first year. But um now he's gone. So Brindamore I think is is Definitely a possibility for them. Is there anybody we can kind of end it with this because I think this is good and I, and I think Brendan Moore, if if he doesn't go back to Carolina, he's going to Seattle. Like I think that's that would be a done deal. But there's still a chance that Brendan Moore gets re-signed there because he loves Carolina, obviously too. Um, last thing I was going to say, just as a fun little exercise, just to think of because you play a lot of fantasy hockey, you've seen a lot of it as well. Who do you think is like the next sleeper guy that gets drafted by in the expansion draft? Like a possible third or fourth line player that won't be protected that could just explode in Seattle. It could even be one oh, of your wow. Rangers. It could even be one of your Rangers that's been buried on the depth chart. Because it will happen. Somebody is, they might not be, they're probably not going to be as good as Vegas out of the gates, but somebody is going to def- redefine their career when getting the chance to play in Seattle. I'm just wondering if you think there's some guys out there that are buried on the lower depth charts that could get a chance and, you know, go crazy. Oh man. Um, well, that's, that's a tough one. That, Cause there's a few names that I've seen that pot could possibly get taken. I don't know. All right, I, I don't know why this guy's name comes to my mind. I don't know why I'm, I'm thinking about it, but have you, have you ever heard of Mason Appleton? Yeah. Wow. Why, that's a that's a pull from you. I feel like if they grab that guy, because he had a decent stretch this year with the Jets, I think it, that that's definitely an under-the-radar guy. He's probably only like 25, 26 years old, young, talented player. Has a chance, I think. I mean, I'm pulling that out of my rear for sure. But there's a few other guys that they were talking about, um, like Donton Heinen, who had a year – a decent year with uh, I believe it's on Boston, but it it really all depends who who they go after and how they decide to build the team. Whether they're grabbing all the you know big contract guys and helping cap with other teams to have better draft picks. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they grab a guy like Zadorov from Chicago. Mm. He could have another. He's a great fantasy. player hockey guy because you just throw him in there and he gets hit the only thing is you you worry about is plus minus being on a if he's on a new team um who who do you think would be like the best player that the kraken could get i mean oshi obviously everybody talks well, about those it are here, the guys I, right he like, pretty much said that he doesn't want to go here those are the guys right that they would say yeah that's interesting because oshi's got the ties um you know, his father, of course, who just passed, had some Seattle ties as well. Um, no, I, I, I was thinking, Oshi, I only brought up your boys because do we know who the Rangers are going to protect would be my first question because somebody's going to get exposed there from those guys. It's, they have – there's two guys that are going to get exposed by the Rangers. 
I can't remember. I would say exactly. But, but to answer your first question, I think the best player. I was thinking of Blackwell on the Rangers as well as one of the guys that could be exposed. Colin Blackwell, I think, could be. Yeah. But the the best player that I can think of off the top of my head is Sam Bennett because I don't I just don't know if he's going to be the guy that's going to be protected. He was he was picked up. Ford has got all these issues. Ford. I think Bennett is going to be the best available there. But look, I mean, he Bill, was awesome, man. William Carlson if, if was a fourth line player Bennett, for Columbus. William Carlson was a fourth Who? line player for Columbus. Wild Bill. Yeah, with that blonde lettuce yep. he has, and then he scored like close to forty goals the next year. So, it uh, it is a fun thing to think about. There's going to be trades. That's where Vegas really set their team up was the trades that they made, acquiring draft capital yeah. that could be used for players like Max Pacioretty down the road. Um, we'll see. Yeah, but for for the Rangers, the two players I was thinking of, I'm pretty sure you mentioned one of them, were uh, Brett Howden and Colin Blackwell. Yeah. That's the two guys that could that are probably going to be exposed there. But they also need to make a decision on what to do at goalie. So I don't know what their plan is with Georgiev or Shesterkin or if they're going to keep both of those guys. I think they would be smart to protect both of them. It would suck to lose Howden or Blackwell. Um, but they lost, I believe, they lost Oscar Lindbergh, who I really liked, to the Golden Knights uh, in that first expansion draft. And he didn't really pan out for them. Um, I mean, they went to the cup final, but yeah. he didn't have like an amazing year, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't think he's on that team anymore. But anyway, it, it, it honestly is super interesting to think about what the Kraken team could look like and what players they're going to pick and just kind of how they're going to attack it. I mean, I've gone through how about, how a bunch about of, this? we how did about... a bunch of interviews with them and um, my wife's listening through one with, uh, Francis, I didn't get to go do this interview, which was a oh, huge man. bummer. Um, but it was the night of the draft, the night of the draft, uh, night of the announcing of the, the draft lottery. And they asked him about getting the pick and everything. And he was obviously excited. He got about getting the pick, the second pick. But I mean, shouldn't the expansion team automatically get the first pick? But he really didn't open up about what I mean obviously he's not going to open up about exactly what their plans are and how they're going to attack it but he did say that it's going to be tougher because because of Vegas now teams know what to look for and now teams know how to protect themselves from getting screwed over but that's but he also said that's kind of the joy of it like it's fun now you got now you got to find a way and I'm I'm curious to see if they they can do it. I don't I don't think that they're going to be able to put a team together like the Knights did. But there's a lot of really good available pl- players that will be available. So I think it's possible if if everything is done correctly, if they're able to make the right trades and maneuver around the draft the way that the Knights did, or maybe even um, signing. If they get one player that has a name. It's gonna. It'll change the game. I got. One, I got one for you. And this is the last thing I'll say on it. A guy that I think will be exposed because there's depth issues on this team, and he's from Spokane, Washington. Tyler Johnson. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. That was the other guy. <laughs> he's Thirty that years the old. Was, was Still a lot of good hockey. Yeah. Left. That's amazing. That was a great pick. That so would we'll have, be perfect. It'll be Tyler Johnson. 
it'll be Tyler Johnson on the on the first line, and then it'll be Mason Appleton on the second line. <laughs> that would be a he, he could still play he could still play a lot of good hockey, and he's a Washington uh, by birth native, so I would be excited for that. Um, Joe Sally, pleasure as always. We're looking forward to potentially a Lightning and Golden Knights final. Could be fun. Could could be could be legendary. But uh, I'm just hoping we get some overtime games here going forward. But Joe. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Welcome anytime, as you know. We'll be talking soon. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always, always enjoy it. Even after I scarf down a few tacos. A few tacos, a few losses. <laughs> it's all on the, all on yeah. the days work. <laughs> thanks for again. Come yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huge thanks again to Joe Crisali for coming on today's show. We will see what that Seattle Kraken roster looks like, but a lot of hockey left in these playoffs. Islanders, Canadians might have something to say about our dream final matchup of Tampa and Vegas, but it should be good either way. Thanks again to Joe. All right, now we're going to switch sports, talk some playoff NBA basketball with Chris Scruggs on the heels of Kevin Durant's amazing triple-double masterpiece to put the Nets up 3-2. We break down that game, that series. We recorded this before we found out that both Kawhi Leonard is out for Game 5 of that Clippers series, maybe out the rest of that series, and CP3 is actually in the protocol, so his status for the Western Conference Finals is in jeopardy. Some tough news from both those teams and fan bases. But Chris Krug's breaking down the NBA playoffs now on the Money Mitch Effect. Here it is. All right, now with us on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some playoff hoops. Guy I've been doing sports talk with for a very long time. Ten years ago, it's been since we've had a college radio show together. Chris Scruggs joins now on the show. Chris, thanks for coming on. Great night to talk some NBA action in the playoffs. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you and talk a little bit of basketball, a little bit of basketball while we're at it. Well, I'm glad we're doing this. The timing couldn't have worked any better because as we record this on a Tuesday night, the Nets just beat the Bucks to take a 3-2 lead in that series. And this was no other way around it, Chris, an iconic game from Kevin Durant. 49 points. They went by a couple points late. They were down as many as uh, by big double digits early, nine late in the third. He goes crazy. Harden plays isn't isn't very effective offensively. Kyrie doesn't play. The Nets had one bullet left in their holster, but it just so happened to be, I think we agree, the best player in the NBA right now. It was just a fantastic performance by one of the all-time greats. You know, a lot of people said he was on a super team, which he was with Golden State, and he always had help. And I think a lot of people were looking at him this game just to see if he could get one game. And, of course, a lot of people like Stephen A. and uh, analysts on TV said he could get 50, and he did. But when it's expected that you get 50 and, you know, the pressure is on, he really lived up to it. And not only did he get 50, but he got, what, 17 rebounds and 10 assists. So a 50-point triple-double from a guy who we don't necessarily expect to, you know, rack in 10 assists and 17 rebounds. And when you look at it, he went 16 for 23. So he had 49 points on 23 shots. It's just with the efficiency and everything he did, played every single minute. That was an amazing game. It's almost like him playing every single minute was just as impressive as the point total and the efficiency. Because in a way, like we're used to Kevin Durant showing out in big moments and in big plays, but he 
it's easy to forget. Like he tore his Achilles two years ago. Like that's not that's not even a knee ligament. Like this guy was struggling to walk for the better part of a year, and now he's back to being. Would you agree? I mean, he's got to be the best player in the league right now. Yeah, I definitely uh, believe Kevin Durant is the best player in the league when available, and he's been pretty durable during these playoffs. So I definitely hope that continues. And one thing I think gets overlooked, he actually plays pretty good defense. I think for the past four or five seasons, in my opinion, he's been a good defender and hasn't necessarily got the credit that I think he deserves on the defensive end. Not saying that he's a defensive player of the year, but, you know, when called upon, he could protect the rim. He could sometimes stay in front of guards and just real impressive. I mean, I think there's levels, right? Like you would agree that. Uh, I mean, I would I would use the example of guys like LeBron and in you know Kobe was an elite level defender too, but Kobe towards the end, you're not gonna ask these guys that are such big forces on the offensive end and ask to do so much to strap in every single play, which is why I agree with you. When they call upon him, which obviously you wouldn't do every single time, he can accept the challenge, and you started to see that tonight with how they. You know, mixed in. Middleton wasn't as as effective. Giannis struggled a little bit late offensively. I think that's a good point. And again, props to uh, Jeff Green too, because I know Durant's going to get all the press, deservedly so. Without Jeff Green tonight, Milwaukee or the Brooklyn Nets don't win this game. Oh uh, yeah, at one point Jeff Green was six for six from three, and I think this is his first game back. So just to get that out of him, twenty seven point six six for six from three, spreading the court and. Honestly, every single shot tonight for the Nets was crucial, so he definitely played a big role. In addition, uh, Blake actually made a couple of threes, and I was um, surprised with his game. He was 3 for 6, 7 for 11 from the field, and he actually played a pretty good game, so those two guys definitely stepped it up. What was your honest opinion of Harden tonight, all things considered? So, all things considered, he played 46 minutes. I think the fact that he was able to come out in his presence just being on a court. You know, you could appreciate that as a teammate. But outside of that, he took eight threes out of his ten shots, and all of them was flat. Of course, he didn't make any. And he made a few assists. He had eight assists, a few turnovers. But I think just his presence was enough, man. I don't even want to get on the defensive end. It was looking like the old Harden where, man, he really was a liability on defense. But I think his presence – Definitely played a factor in his game, just having him out there in the name and, you know, who he is. He could give Kevin Durant a break from having to, you know, bring the ball up the court every single play. Yeah, I appreciate the grittiness of getting out there, especially with Kyrie not there, just playing those minutes and maybe being like a glorified decoy at times, like a distraction. But it wasn't pretty. You know he's not at 100%. This is a this is a brutal loss for Milwaukee. Now the series isn't over because of what you know the health of some of these guys, which we'll get to in a second, Chris. But this was a game that they played well out of the gates. They got Harden on an off night, and they were able to do some good things offensively and, and really balance it out. You know, this is going to be a tough loss for them because it was sitting there on a platter, and they just couldn't get any stops of Kevin Durant. They couldn't stop the momentum early fourth quarter. They had chances late, and they just couldn't convert. Yeah, I agree, and it somewhat reminds me of game three where Bruce Brown took the game-winning shot, and that was a game where the Nets probably felt like like they could have stole the game, and I think this is similar where they're going to look back at the tape and say, man, all we have to do is buckle down a few more plays, maybe make a few more shots, and 
in the second half of the game, they started to play a little bit too much iso ball where in the beginning they were moving the ball around and getting everybody involved. And I think that kind of helped hurt them. But, uh, yeah, all they have to do is regroup because at the end of the day, they are still the more healthy team. So I think they still have a chance. And uh, I think Giannis has been honestly getting a lot of slack lately. I don't think, you know, he's the best player in the world, but – I mean, he's a pretty efficient guy. He get going 14 yeah. for 22 each game, 15 for 21. And, of course, we don't expect him to be Kevin Durant. You just got to get more out of the guys like Chris Middleton. And uh, I think Drew Holiday played a good game, but he could be a little bit more aggressive, maybe a little bit more efficient. And, you know, he still has the pieces. Yeah, we don't really know how to properly rate these guys, I think. Because, yeah, Giannis not the best player in the league, but not as bad as he's made out to be at times, too. And, uh, you know, I think part of the problem is some of the supporting cast has let him down a little bit. Here's the one thing I'll say about this series. It's 3-2. Nets have a chance. They are going back to Milwaukee where it's no easy task to win, Chris. But I get the sense when you watch this team, you know, a week ago we were saying Nets look like they're going to just roll right to the title, and then injuries happen. And you saw this with the Lakers, too. When you are such star-driven, as great as these players may be, you always have that leaving it the chance that if one or two of these guys go down, if something happens, that could cripple your whole season. So that being said, I mean, I just, I don't know that Duran, as great as he is, goes for 49 in game six. You're going to need Harden to step up. It doesn't look like Kyrie's going to play. I think you're going to need a little more, and you can't, like as great as this was tonight, you can't count on this every single night, even from Kevin Durant. Yeah, I definitely agree. A 49-point triple-double and 16 for 23 I mean, you can't count on that every night, but I think some other guys could possibly step it up. I think what they're counting on, of course, they would love to steal one in Milwaukee, but maybe get a little, get a little bit healthier with James Harden playing the next game and maybe get it back to a game seven and, you know, go from there. But like you were just saying earlier, it's all about injuries. And, yeah, once the injury bug hit, it's anybody's game. Yeah, the, this series has had a lot of twists and turns, as has Chris Scruggs here on the Money Mitch Effect, the other Eastern Conference series. It's also two, It's also going to get to that 2-2 point with Game 5 tomorrow. Hawks win Game 4 against the Sixers. Hawks won that Game 1, got out to that big lead. It was all Sixers from that point on, Game 2, Game 3. And Game 4 looked like it was Philadelphia's game. Credit to the Hawks for fighting back, but I will remember this game for MB not being up to it now we can talk about the injury all the causes there but that's as bad as he's played so I'm going to throw this out there as well Chris I know that was Embiid at his worst I still would feel pretty good if I'm the Sixers or I'm a Sixers fan because it, it's impossible to get a worse effort out of your MVP candidate and the Hawks barely won that game yeah I definitely agree and I think at some point he went 0 for 12 and that's yeah, just I mean, not the Embiid yeah. we know and I think he's able to dominate as he's shown the uh, big man for the Hawks. So I think you don't get another game like that out of Embiid. I also think the Sixers could play better defense and they could play more intense. And I think that would prevail, ultimately prevail in this series. I think they just have too much length. And if Embiid could even be his normal self, I think they could still pull away with this. What do you think about Doc Rivers as a coach and, and, not necessarily, you know, the plays he's calling, but just the adjustments or lack thereof at times. Because I feel like a lot of these games, the Sixers are building up some leads, and it's always the Hawks making that push back. A lot of it is Trey Young. Herder's been making shots as well, Collins. But I feel like Doc and that Sixers coaching staff can help their guys out a little more because we've seen the same story basically in every game. 
I think he can mix it up some. I think Doc is just the coach. He kind of gets set in his ways. And not to take anything away from Doc, but pretty much since he started, well, for the last 10, 15 years, the teams he's coached have always been star-driven. And I think he's just one of those old-school coaches who want to go with what got us here and don't feel the need to make adjustments. And I think sometimes that's why he ends up losing his job, ultimately. But he's definitely a good coach because you know, coach stars, get you to the playoffs. But in the playoffs, we know it's all about adjustments. And I think he could do a better job of doing that to help his guys out some. And that team isn't the deepest. I think they're pretty much – their starting lineup is pretty good. They got a few good guys mm-hmm. off the bench. But that team isn't necessarily the deepest. So that may play a part in that in uh, uh, him not making the necessary adjustments. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this series uh... – finishes out I would be pretty surprised shocked even if the Hawks were to win it I just don't know that they have the talent across the board I think eventually you can you can weather the Trey Young storms and get the ball out of his hands Ben Simmons Ben Simmons stepping up is going to be a crucial part you also look at at the Sixers having avoided Chris Milwaukee and Brooklyn part of that is getting through the series unscathed and getting you know healthy and ready to go and Bede's injury is crucial because they might limp through this series with Embiid not at 100%, but you got to figure that whether it's Brooklyn or Milwaukee the next round, they need their guy. And I don't know what's what's the latest on you know how he's feeling. I don't know all that information, but I think the Sixers have legit title chances, title aspirations, and you just get the sense, like you said with the last series, that the injury bug could be their Achilles heel and ultimately their fatal flaw. I hate to see this with Embiid because he was having such a great season, was actually on track for the MVP. Then he got injured, and now, once again, in the playoffs, he's injured. So I hope that's not the case. I hope he could – of course, you know, all NBA players say everybody's injured during this time, but I hope he could pull through and help his team out. I hate to see teams lose when it comes down to injuries, you know. I want to – before we go to the Western Conference, what's your, you know, honest assessment? Because I know you're you're pretty honest with this stuff and knowledgeable and you could be, you know, a critic when you need to. What's your assessment of Trey Young's game? You know, what do you what do you see for him in the next couple of years? So, Trey Young's game, uh, I actually like his game. I wasn't a big Trey Young fan in college. I know he was leading the league, leading the nation in scoring and I think assists as well. And I didn't think that would necessarily translate to the NBA – but after watching him and seeing him these past couple of years, I think Trey Young is legit. Now, of course, he is a defensive liability, but we have other players similar to him who are defensive liabilities like James Harden, sometimes Steph Curry. So I think in another underrated part of his game is he's actually a pretty good passer. He knows how to create, get in the lane, and get other people open. And I think a term that people use with Steph Curry is the gravity term. And you can see the gravity when he plays. So I definitely think he's a good player. Do I think he's a top five, top six, seven, eight player? No, but I, I, I see him in that top 20, you know, and him leading his team as far as actually putting, you know, moving him up the ranks. So I, I think Trey Young is a pretty good player, and I think he has a bright future. Yeah, building the roster and the team around him. Because you can have a player like that be the best player on a, on a title caliber team. You just have to construct it the right way but props to the Hawks yeah. this season I mean they're still in it obviously but even if they lose the next two games this was well above expectations this year so definitely props to them um, alright now moving on to the Western Conference Chris Scruggs here on the Money Mitch Effects so speaking of props the uh, Phoenix Suns are in the conference final and uh, they sweep through the Nuggets an, an undermanned Nuggets team for sure but they got completely blistered by the Phoenix Suns and there's going to be a lot of credit to go around. Game four 
was the Chris Paul show. I mean, say what you want about Devin Booker being great and Aiton being a force inside. But, Chris, that was a throwback CP3 game. And to see this guy at his age finally get to at least the conference semifinals, maybe more, is definitely something that felt long overdue for a lot of basketball fans. Yes, for sure. And uh, Chris Paul is one of those guys who everybody got to kind of root for him. Been in the league a long time, been putting in work the entire time in the league, and he's finally getting his opportunity on another team at, on a big stage where he's healthy at this point. So, of course, he wasn't fully healthy during the early stages of the playoffs, but now he's looking better and better. And just to be his age and still be able to go out there and get you 30, 40 points and efficiency, and he's still one of the mid-range kings in the NBA. And yeah. he just know how to control the pace, lead a team, and rally his troops. So much props to Chris Paul. Yeah, the mid-range game was on full display in Game 4 where he was perfect from the field for for a decent portion of that one as well and I just think the way the team's constructed it's perfect for him like we saw it was what wasn't perfect for him in Houston having to play with James Harden their styles clashing but you play with a guy like Devin Booker who obviously looked up to Chris Paul a lot younger younger than him who's a scorer has that Kobe mentality in him but Chris Paul is able to sell things down he's able to work run the offense get Aiton involved get the shooters involved I think, Chris, and you might disagree, but I think this is one of the best teams that a guy like Chris Paul with his gifts can play for. Yeah, I definitely agree. A team that's actually looking for his leadership, he don't really have to compete in that role. And it seems like the Suns are a team that plays freely. They believe in each other, and it's really no competition. I think the ultimate goal with that team is everybody on that team wants to win. And Devin Booker could have came in, and he could have got upset that Chris Paul is getting all the love, but you don't hear anything like that from Devin Booker, nor does his play on the court show that he's jealous. So I think that's just a perfect fit for Chris Paul coming on a team where he's accepted and able to play his role and lead his troops. Do you think that the Denver Nuggets, I know Murray's injury kind of torpedoed their, their chances of anything, but Jokic wins the MVP, has a great year, obviously. Do you think they need to make some major changes, or do you think they should run it back with Murray? What do you think about how the way this team is constructed and, and their chances for competing for a run at the final and beyond is is with the roster they have? Uh, I, I... I honestly think they have a pretty good team. Uh, Top to bottom, they have a lot of players. They could go deep on their bench. With Murray injured, uh, they definitely played a part. He's one of their big fourth quarter leaders and a guy they could count on to go get his own bucket. And uh, even Barton was hurt earlier in the playoffs, and I think they just didn't have the continuity to get it done. But um, I know they were having some issues with Michael Porter Jr. I don't think he's going to be there anymore. But I think they could run it back. I definitely think they could run it back with the Lakers getting older, LeBron getting older, and we don't know what's going to happen with Paul George and the Clippers. And Yeah, I think they could definitely run it back with the MVP, Jokic. Yeah, the Michael Porter Jr. thing is crazy because they asked him to do a lot and he didn't deliver it. Now, we'll see what happens there. But they have to retool, but definitely not blow it up. Murray is just a huge loss. I mean, you lose a player like that. We've seen it with other teams losing some of their lion's share guys, and it just doesn't happen. But props to the Suns. Uh, they await the winner of a now 2-2 series between the Utah Jazz and the L.A. Clippers, with the Clippers winning the last two games at home to get this series back 2-2 and really win it in dominant fashion. Chris, there's a scenario where this series could have been all four games for the Clippers. Like, the two games in Utah, the Clippers were right in, 
and in a couple of them, Game 2 specifically had their chances. Game 1, I should say, specifically had their chances, but the Clippers have all the momentum in this series, and of course it starts with Kawhi Leonard, who, from Game 6 in Dallas, has just taken the mantle and never looking back. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard is a guy who hasn't been talked about as much as KD, but I think him and KD right now are fighting for that who's the best in the league right now. He's been playing efficient, just like we see KD go out there and get you make 15 or 21 shots. Kawhi Leonard has been doing the same thing. On top of that, he's been playing pretty good defense and been pretty clutch for his team, so he's been doing it all. And, um... Yeah, just overall, he's been balling, been shooting the three real well, uh, knocking down his free throws, actually getting a few assists, and just uh, doing what his team needs when they call his number. I think the Clippers are going to look at Paul George obviously having to step up to see how far that they go in this playoffs. And he's played well in the last two games in L.A. for sure, but there's been some inconsistency there. The rotation with the Clippers is also a fashion, is a uh, interesting hot-button topic too, Chris, because... You know, they have a lot of different guards. Reggie Jackson has stepped up. Beverly hasn't got many minutes. They have Rondo over there. They have Zubak, who they're not sure if they're going to play as much with Morris. So there's a lot of different rotations, and Ty Lue has his handful. But which players do you think should really get some time of those role players for the Clippers? Who do you think can be an impact player this series and beyond? Well, Reggie Jackson has been balling since last series. He's yeah. been looking like uh, Seth Curry, Steph Curry out there from three-point land. Uh, so he definitely should stay in a rotation. He's actually been starting. So once they put him in the starting lineup, they actually been doing well. I highly doubt they take him out. Uh, the Moore Senior has actually been playing well these past couple of games as well. He played great in the game seven against Dallas. I think he made about four or five big threes. And even last game, I think he was five from six or five from seven from three. So he's been playing well. And a, a sleeper guy is Luke Kennard wasn't getting any play in the beginning of the Dallas series. And I think he came in about game five, game six. And instead of pouting and doing all that, he came in and was a professional, was ready to play, and he's been playing every since. And actually has been making a few shots, spreading the court, and uh, knocking down a few three-pointers, and he's good defense. So I'll say those three guys if I can think of anyone. Well, those are good answers, and I think they're going to need more than just Kawhi, like we were saying with Durant. He's clearly the leader. He stepped up, um, you know, and he just comes up clutch so many times. And both ends. I mean, defense slacked a little during the season, but you got the sense that he was just managing his minutes and whatnot. Um, looking at the Jazz, I do have a question for you. Do you think this team just relies too much on Donovan Mitchell? Because it seems like he's the guy that has to create the offense. 37 points, but it was 9-26 of 26 shooting last game. Do you think they rely too much on him? Do you think there's another plan for them to get momentum back and try to still win this series? Yeah, I actually do think they rely on Donovan Mitchell a little too much. Even though we know he could do it, we don't want him to have to do that every game. And I think sometimes the other players get stagnant and end up watching them. But they've actually been getting some good play out of Ingles. I feel like they've been getting some good offense and defense out of Badanovic. So uh, maybe they could rely on those guys a little bit more. And maybe Donovan Mitchell could uh, maybe help create for other guys instead of always looking to score. Not saying that he doesn't try to create or he's a ball hog, but sometimes I think maybe if he could look for other guys more, that may take a little bit more pressure off of him. And Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's their sixth man off the bench, won, won the award this year, three for 12 last game. I mean, he's playing 30 minutes, so they're going to need something out of him as well. Um, this is going to be a fun series. Who do, you, who do you have for your finals pick right now? 
So going to the finals or winning the entire thing? Well, we can we can start with just the finals matchup and uh, go from there. I honestly, I honestly, before injury, I definitely had the Nets going. Even with the injury, if they could get past, they're up three two. If they could get past a Milwaukee, I think they could still go, especially if Embiid is hobbled. Mm-hmm. So I would say the Nets, and I honestly. Maybe I'm being a little biased with these picks, but I, I honestly feel like the Clippers are going to go. That's Clippers. I think Kawhi okay. Leonard is going to prove that, you know, every series he plays up into the finals, he's the best player on the court. And I think that may ultimately play a factor. I think Paul George, while he hasn't been um, all NBA play in the playoffs, I think he still could get you four good games out of seven. Mm. So I think that I think he could step it up, and he has room to grow. So I, yeah. I'm gonna say the Nets and the Clippers. Nets Clippers, that'd be a fun series. The two alphas probably of the league with Kawhi and Durant right now. Um, and I hate to do the legacy, you know, sports show debate, Chris, but if Brooklyn wins the title with how their team is, and they go there, and Durant takes them there, I mean, we gotta just adjust for his all-time rankings. Like we're into the top ten now, and we're still climbing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. And, of course, we don't want anyone injured, but if he could do this without Kyrie Irving and an injured Harden, yeah, it would make it even more oppressive. Uh, Pre-injury, of course, you know, it would have been another scenario where where even though we know Kevin Durant is a great player and he's still the best player on the court, he has a lot of help. So I think now with all the intangibles, with Kyrie's health and Harden's health, and they don't really have a deep bench, I think, yeah, if he wins, it's a legacy. And I also think that for Kawhi Leonard, this would boost his legacy as well if he's able to win a final. So it would be yeah, it's a lot it, on state. Yeah, it, state. Would, it would be three. It would be three titles for three different teams. Maybe we're, we're thinking an MVP, Finals MVP. LeBron did that last year. Kawhi would be the only other person to do that. So yeah, there, there's a lot at stake for him. And Durant has that ability to just take another franchise to the title too. It should be fun. Uh, Chris Scruggs, pleasure always talking to you on the Money Mitch Effect. Last thing, I have to ask you, who's in the pipeline? Some basketball players that you might be looking at, and you know, I, I, I've I've been I want to talk to you about the high school scene a little bit. I know St. Louis has some kids that are that are coming through, but uh, anybody that's got your eye on the uh, I guess on the AAU scene or you know just the the prep scene. Well, the person I could think of off the top of my head is Imani Banks. Imani Bates, he's like a, a baby KD type of player in high school right now. And I'm sorry, I can't think of the guy's name, but it's a kid you've probably seen on the internet since station. I think his name is like Emmanuel or something, but he has the one arm. Okay. Have you seen him on YouTube or actually, Instagram or yeah, anything? I actually have seen yeah. him. Yeah, uh, it's just interesting seeing a guy do that with one arm. So I've been watching those two guys. So one is Amani Bates. I think he's the number one ranked player. He'll probably be a senior next year. And then after that, it's the guy, I think his name is Emmanuel or something. So those two guys. I haven't really been keeping up with it as much, but I definitely know those two guys. Well, hopefully, you know, it would be nice if the Billikens could get some of them, but I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. The program's turning a little bit, though. But uh, yeah, I was, I was disappointed with uh, you know how it ended for the for the local guys for Tatum and Beal in the playoffs. But uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think there's definitely been a lot of talent coming up, and I think that uh, you know those guys deserve a great part of it for sure. But uh, it's it's been excited. I guess I should ask you uh, what you think about Cade Cunningham, who's probably going to be the number one overall pick from Oklahoma State. 
Uh, I didn't watch too much basketball this year, but I did see K Cunningham play. I don't necessarily see number one pick mm. potential. Well, let me not say that. Yeah. I definitely see number one pick potential, but I didn't necessarily see like that guy is going to come to the NBA and he's going to make an impact from day one. But I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the tournament basketball. I did see him doing a tournament, and he had some good games in the tourney this year. So he's definitely a good player. But I didn't see any standout t- uh, talent like a Jason Tatum or a Kyrie Irving or anybody like that in college this year. It seems like it's going to be a deep class, but maybe not as top-heavy. So, I mean, that might be part of it as well. But, uh, no, always interested to see your perspective on that. Chris Scruggs, always fun talking sports with you. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. All right, huge thanks again to both Chris Scruggs and Joe Crisale. Tough break for Kawhi Leonard not being able to play tonight. Hurt his knee at the end of that game. MCP3, all we know is that he is in a COVID safety protocol. We'll see what his availability is like for the Western Conference Finals. But always a pleasure to talk to Chris and Joe. Uh, Learning more about sports from them is always fun. I hope you enjoyed the show. The entire catalog of the Money Mitch Effect is on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. You can subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review there. We've got a lot more to talk about as well. I'm on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 if you want to follow me there and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Some good sporting events coming up. The U.S. Open and golf is coming up. Shout out again to the last style vendor, Israel Adesanya, for retaining his title. And the assassin baby, Brandon Moreno, for becoming the flyweight champion in the UFC. You love to see the emotion of a first-time champ for him. A lot of sports coming up, more hockey, more basketball playoffs, as well as the baseball season rolling along, tennis majors, Djokovic, and Djokovic wins a title there, so he's up to 19 as well. But this was the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep enjoying sports.